with these episodes, we generally do. I don't have to do a ride intro for a change. No, you don't. A what intro? So normally, with a, a standard Amusings episode, uh, either I or Kayla will, will open it like a spiel from a Disneyland ride, ex- <laughs> except we'll replace instances of the ride and the uh, with our podcast name or the name oh, of the movie gotcha. we're covering. This is a plus episode, so I don't have to do that because we're really having to start to reach now. Yeah. <laughs> well, because one of the things we try to do is like. Whatever the movie is, it's like, oh, what can we connect it to? Mm-hmm. And last time, uh, the last movie we did was the Aristocats, and we're like, oh my gosh, what are we going to do <laughs> There's no this? Aristocats, Ryan. No. <laughs> no, like I'm one. trying to even think of what that would be. Like, <laughs> like Disneyland has the Aristocats walking around. Do yeah, they, they do. Well, they have I mean, the cats. The, the cats themselves, yeah. Oh, oh yeah. The wild cats. They're actually, the feral cats that yeah. catch all the mice. Well, they, like, those they, are the they own cats. them. Like, Disney officially, land officially right. owns them. They have, like, food for them at all? Or yeah. Like, that's their, they're like, they do a public service for them, so they feed them and stuff. They, they kept, they, the cats were initially brought in to deal with the mice. Yeah. Park, which seems ironic. Considering who's in charge. Yes. Yeah. But he's a very big mouse. <laughs> so they have a really big cat son? Yes. Mickey, if you ever think of, of quitting this company, we're going to bring in uh, Big Carl, the giant cat. No, no, you know what? They'll, they'll bring in uh, Felicia. Oh, from The Great Mouse Detective. Yes. Yeah. Mm. I almost forgot about Felicia. <laughs> oh my gosh. Do you think Mickey's ever, ever like, you know, gets past it, her... And they glare at each other. He goes, huh? Bye, Felicia. <laughs> <laughs> yes, oh I do God. believe that. <laughs> oh so, my God. so welcome to Anna Musings Plus. We don't have to do that bit. Uh, and mostly because I'm pretty sure that the, uh, the film we have watched today has never had nor ever will. <laughs> have a Disney attraction based on it. I don't think so. I don't even... There, there's no good way to do this. You unless... came up with a pretty good idea for one. You think so? I think so. Oh, yeah, like turn the uh, bed into a uh, ride. Exactly. That's true. That would be, like, a lot of fun. I would ride the I would ride the, the bed knobs and broomsticks uh, bed ride. <laughs> Is this like a Soren kind of thing? Like, it just takes you over England? Or... <laughs> but it, but it oh, my just... gosh. It could, it could be a, in a part of Epcot. And... Oh, it really could. But then the best part is when you do the flyover and you hear and 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 you you do a flyover of the the final scene in the movie Mm -hmm. where you see the all the suits of armor fighting the Nazis. I mean, super cool. I do love that. If you guys have not guessed it, uh, we have just finished watching Bed Knobs and Broomsticks, but we have two special guests. Uh, Yes, by the way, you've heard them. Hi, I'm Kayla Barry, and my co-host is David King. That's me. But we have two guests. Introduce yourselves, peoples. AJ, guys, I'm AJ from Random Encounters, and I brought some company. Yeah, I'm Gwen. You might know me from Random Encounters 2. Woohoo! The sequel! <laughs> <laughs> Random Encounters 2, Electric Boogaloo. <laughs> no one wants that one. No. I do. That's oh, the one that no one asked for. <laughs> but the part but the, the part where you bust out the Saturday Night Fever references is always oh, really good. Uh, Honestly, like, that, that was my favorite part. Mm. Um, but yeah, we we figured we we bring bring uh, some guests here. We bring these two. I've known I've known AJ for a while. When only a little less, really, in the grand scheme of yeah. things. I guess technically we've probably since about when I moved to California. Whenever we did Senpai Notice right. Me, right? Yeah, so, yeah. Well, it was right after we met on the set of Senpai Notice Me. 
And we immediately became friends because we both realized we were writers and book nerds. So. Yep. Nothing like hanging out behind the scenes on a Random Encounters project and finding more book nerds. Heck like, yeah. I was reading a book on uh, Senpai Knows Me I'm too. pretty sure you were. <laughs> which, yeah. What were you reading? Uh, I actually can say that for sure. It was uh, A Confederacy of Dunces, which is... <gasps> It was. Yeah. I remember like interrupting you slightly and then feeling bad. <laughs> it's okay, it's okay. I got you that book for your birthday. I know. Too. I love that. Book. <laughs> like, uh, well, you know, I was expecting it to be better than. I, 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 it, it's good. It's just not. I was expecting a lot more out of it. But. The same could be said for bed knobs and broomsticks. <laughs> Whoa, what a segue! Wait a minute. <laughs> Okay, okay. Let's, uh, There's going to be a lot of high fives going around. <laughs> uh, let me um, first get, uh, get some background information on this. All right, history it, time. It came out December 13th, 1971. So we're we're continuing through the 70s because uh, Aristocats was 70s. Right, uh, Arist- Aristocats was 1970. Correct. Um, so... Uh, it was originally based off a book um, by Mary Norton. Actually, uh, multiple books, but the first one being uh, The Magic Bed Knob. Now, funny enough, uh, it was written in 1943. Okay. 1945, Walt Disney had purchased the film rights already. Oh, he had them that long, huh? Oh, oh yeah. Wow. But well, this is the period of history where, like, well, Walt's, Walt's passed on, so we need to be... Like, digging through, basically, Walt's story scraps for all the stuff he didn't use. I know Aristocats was an idea that... It was in the was in the can that they didn't really get to do. So Bedknobs and Broomsticks would be the next logical one since they already had the rights to it. Yes, but not only that, uh, she made a sequel called Bonfires and Broomsticks, and that's also included into this film. But that came out in 1947. Oh, interesting. Ah. So um, at the time, uh, um, I mean, as you know. Uh, Walt was having issues with P.L. Travers about Mary Poppins. And there was a whole lot of negotiating going on. If it didn't go through, they would have just said, let's just make Ben Knobs and <laughs> Yeah, that was the alternative. That makes so wow. much sense. That this was the logical substitute. I mean, it does. Yeah. And, like, I feel like the treatment of this movie was very Mary Poppins. You just changed out, like, the fun nanny for a... Uh, Goofy Witch. Uh, yeah, yes. Goofy yes. Witch. I was just going to say Angela Lansbury. But, <laughs> but yeah. Um... Same thing. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I mean, for, I mean, I mean, come on. Angela, we know Angela Lansbury for like two things. Mrs. Potts and for the, and for the Disney connection. Because later she oh, voiced yeah, Mrs. Yeah. Potts. And um, Jessica for Murder, She Wrote. Yes. So. Yeah. That's my, that's my two connections with her. That's right. my two connections. Yeah. Now, well, and now this. I mean, and also Bedknobs and Brooms, right. let's be honest. I'm sorry, carry on. Uh, and during that time, like, the Sherman Brothers were also working on it, and then mm-hmm. um, they already had a producer and writer. So this had already been, like, on hold. And then, like, they were like, okay, we got this prepared, but then Mary Poppins uh, was agreed upon, and then they're like, now let's work on it. And then it's like, well, we already got this movie set up, so let's continue with it. Um, <laughs> it uh, the budget was $6.3 million, which... Makes sense for... Well, it's a live-action film, too. And yeah. they had to build the sets and do all the real-life special effects. Uh, it actually was very successful. Oh. It grossed $17.6 million and earned uh, rentals of $8.5 million in North America by 1976. So it was nice. a good investment. Uh, not yeah. just good, great. The film was not ama- nominated, for forgive me, for five Academy Awards. What? Hey. Wow. Yeah. Best Art Direction, best, best Scoring... Sherman Brothers, yeah. Uh, best original song. Which one was that? 
Uh, let me look that up. Actually, <laughs> I, 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 didn't, I, I didn't get the full. Okay. Do we want to? Well, well, Kayla's looking it up. Do we want to take a guess at what? What do you think is the best original song? Oh, I'm assuming it's the closing number, the the spell animating everything. Oh yeah, the tr- substitutiary locomotion. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> I said it's not, Okay. It's not that. I don't even know which one to guess at. Portobello. Portobello. That's the one. <laughs> Uh, and the best original song. Why is it not saying it? <gasps> no, it's a, it's a miss. How? It can't be the age of not believing because. Oh, I hope not. I really hope not. We. I have a lot to say about this movie. We're going to be here for a while. <laughs> and here's the thing: I don't even dislike this movie. I, we'll, I mean, here's the thing: we usually go through the history, and then we talk about our personal histories with the film. Those of us who had personal histories with the film, sure. Um, <laughs> well, okay, um, I'll, only three, uh, three out of the four of us have seen it. All right, let's get sure. that out of the way right now. Yes, Carrie, I guess. confess. Oh, I confess oh. up front. <laughs> I have never seen this movie until okay. just today. Oh. I got okay. I got the song. It's the age of not. No! Oh. no, no. Are you kidding me? I am not kidding you. <laughs> wow, you jinxed it. You like, said it out loud. Like the most. I mean. Okay, I. That <laughs> is the in most such despair now. That is the most like shoe in, like late sixties, early seventies Oscar bait Disney movie song, I guess. But there's nothing inspired about it. It's a very no. boring song. Yes, oh. and Gracie agrees too. I mean, okay, it's not terrible. I mean, it's fair, not portable. It didn't win. Substitutionary Locomotion is a much more enjoyable song. I agree. Uh, also, uh, the, it was also nominated for Best Original Song and Adaptation Score, but it did win, and I actually can see why, for Best Visual Effects. Oh, yeah. Yes. Definitely. Yeah, I can see that. For the time? Yeah. Heck yeah. Yes. Because, yeah, I was about to say, what surprised me was looking at the back of the box, it actually says right off the bat, Academy Award winning Bedknobs and Broomsticks, Disney's delightfully enchanting masterpiece. Features a spellbinding blend of live action and animation, which is uh, the reason we touch on this movie at all, because this is once again a natural progression of the uh, the art of combining live action and animation, which we saw fairly early, mm-hmm. uh, as early as, I believe, was it Saludos Amigos, or was it Three Caballeros? For which one? Com- com- combining live action and, and animation. Uh, that being Three Caballeros. That was Three Caballeros? Yeah. Okay, because that was one, that was pretty... Um, that was pretty good at the time, and it's just gone forward. We had Song of the South do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, the big one was the big one was Mary Poppins, and this one I think pushes the envelope even a little more with how they've done stuff. So I thought it was pretty impressive. I, I completely agree. Um, the, this was also, by the way, uh, the last Disney film released while uh, Roy, his brother Roy Disney, who took over after, uh, was still alive. He passed away a week after. Right. Uh, now, the interesting other thing that was going on in Disney history at the same time is I think Walt Disney World was either, uh, the Magic Kingdom was either under construction or it just opened. Because I think it was 71. Or was it 72? I, I think it was 71. I... 71. It was October of 71. I think you're right. Ha So this would have... <laughs> Roy, was inst- Roy Disney was instrumental in helping get that set up, so... Um, so it was a busy week. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah. <laughs> October to December, yeah. Um, so that's, uh, so that's interesting. Okay. Um, do you know if it was, was it, it was received well in the box office, it got nominated, but was it critically well received? Yeah. Uh, uh, a lot of, it seemed like, um, that critics really liked it. 
Okay. Uh, like, they, they said it was a lot of fun, and it was very whimsical. A lot of, like, magical terms. I mean. Magical, whimsical, cute. That's Confusing. Right. You know? <laughs> um, um, so, Kayla, this is your VHS copy, right? Yes, this is my VHS copy. I Okay, Art, with, in terms of personal histories, um, I did own the film. I own the film still. You still own it. This is your childhood copy. Yeah. Um, and, I mean... <laughs> The thing is, I, I the last time I watched it was, and I know this for a fact, was when I was 14. Because, um, you guys don't know this, but, like, uh, when, uh, throughout my life, um, I had moved from apartment to apartment to apartment. And I had a collection of a thousand movies. And, yeah, I know. Oh, my goodness. Uh, and they used to be held in storage. And then when I was 14, my family finally moved into a house, um... For a short period of time, and all of those movies came out of storage, and I just binged it. So whenever I mentioned, like, oh, I last time I watched this was when I was 14, or I watched it at 14, I did this whole, like, re- Disney resurgence where I was like, I'm going to watch all of these movies that I never got to watch before. And, um, I mean, I thought this, like, uh, at 14, I still really liked it. Um, I, I'm rewatching it now. It's still fun. It's still a fun movie to watch. Um, I'm not as there's a lot. Of, there's a lot of similarities between this and uh, Mary Poppins. I wasn't as enchanted by this as I was by Mary Poppins. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah, I mean, when I was a kid, I didn't own this movie. I think I rented it once or twice, maybe even maybe once. Um, I don't even remember when I watched it. I just remember only I remember the movie pretty well, but I remember it being more entertaining and deeper. As a kid, for some reason. Same. The version I saw, interestingly enough, did not have the extended, long Portobello Road dance sequence in it. So, uh, there are three versions. <laughs> oh, boy. This, I, we watched the original. The original, like, 1971 version. Um, and then they cut it down. And that's a, this is, like, a 117-minute movie. And then they cut it down to, like, 96, 97 minutes. And then they re-released a huge version in, like, the mid-90s that was, like, 143. So, I'm, I think we're kind of... I'm glad we didn't get the 143. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This one uh, felt complete to me. It yeah. did. It felt complete. Yeah. So that's a kind way to put it. Um, and I, here's the thing. I, I, like I started to say, I don't even dislike this movie. But you could tell they were really aping off of Mary Poppins' success. And they were trying to be like, what worked in Mary Poppins? Here's what worked in Mary Poppins'. Uh, all that stuff that was in Mary Poppins, it's in here now. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, it's, it feels like a kissing cousin. <laughs> I might have come at this from a really weird perspective, because, like, I saw Bed Knobs and Broomsticks when I was a really little kid. Like, I was that, like, six-year-old that was wandering around, like, trying to twist the bed knobs on her bed to, like, go oh. random places. I didn't see Mary Poppins until well, the year before last. Oh, like, really? Oh. Like, I had never seen Mary Poppins. This was absolutely magical. Like, oh my gosh, you could get on your bed and you could go to an island where there were talking lions. Like, who didn't want this? It was amazing. <laughs> and so I didn't feel any of that at all. This was just, this is fantastic. Like, I loved this movie as a kid. How does it hold up now? Um, there... <laughs> <laughs> the pause. Hesitancy. <laughs> it's that weird moment of being like, oh yeah, like I totally want to go jump on my bed again, but... There were certain lines that probably should have been edited out. Yeah. Are those really necessary? <laughs> it was funny because uh, I think we, we talked about the reason this all got set out. We were, we were um, 
Oh, when was it? It was all when we all met up in Burbank mm-hmm. not yeah. long ago. Which, this movie was shot entirely at... In, in Burbank. In, in Burbank. So the thing with the bed knobs and broomsticks, uh, uh, it, it all takes place in 1940s London. It takes place in World War II. And this is very important because Nazis show up, guys. <laughs> the climactic scene is a fight against Nazis. Like, wow, guys. <laughs> wow. And, but yeah, the, the idea is it all takes place in England, but the whole thing is shot in, uh, what, what do you guess? Burbank. I... <laughs> well, we were, we were, we were in Burbank just having a, having a chill time. And, um, I think we, we talked about what we were going to be doing next on the podcast. We mentioned bread knobs and broomsticks and, uh, Gwen got really excited. And then AJ admitted he'd never seen it before. I've never seen it before. <laughs> So we so were we like, had to fix it. we had to fix that. Now we've all seen. I've been fixed. fixed. <laughs> I feel very fixed now. Thank you all for this experience. You're welcome. In <laughs> um, all being being not having a, a, any sort of nostalgic connection to this movie whatsoever. Though, what did you think of the movie? Uh, several times it's been dropped that this is similar to Mary Poppins, um, but probably on the the lower side of being similar. Have you seen? Oh, yes. Okay. And I I love Mary Poppins. I absolutely adore it. Um, So it is funny that coming out from that standpoint of being like, oh, yeah, this is like um, sort of a a follow up or like a second act of what Mary Poppins was trying to deliver for audiences in this age. Uh, I came into this kind of excited to see what it was. And the visual effects side was really actually pretty top notch, I think, for the time. Oh, yeah. It does a great job of convincing you things that are not alive, are actually living, breathing, you know, animate objects. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's super cool. I think the music side let me down yeah. just a yeah. bit. But coming yeah. off of Mary Poppins, it's very hard, I think, for a good, fair competition. Sure, the Sherman Brothers had lightning in a bottle when it came to Mary Poppins. Mm-hmm. Like, every song, we talked about this, too, when we did Mary yeah. Poppins. Every song in Mary Poppins is a winner. Well, like, it was almost the same, they, also did, they also did Jungle Book, too, and we agreed that a lo- like almost yeah. every song in Jungle Book is pretty good, too. I mean, the Sherman Brothers are, are, are incredible. Mm-hmm. They the songs they wrote like are are legit captivating. So this was this was them on an off day. Uh, I, do you want to know how off? Oh how no! Off? I would love oh to know. no! This is this is gonna be sad, isn't it? It's not sad. Oh, it's not sad. I mean, it's it's okay. So you know how with uh, Mary Poppins and the Sherman Brothers wrote uh, uh, "Feed the Birds" and Walt Disney was just enamored with it and just loved it. And now and every time they would work together, he'd be like the song and then they, <laughs> they knew what song to play and they knew what song to play because that was just his favorite song ever so they played uh england time for him and uh he fell asleep oh yeah <laughs> england time england i don't blame them that's i, do, I don't even remember how that song really went no that's fair is it, that the one where she's trying to find the book I yeah he's, he's pushing her around on yeah the, it was so much more just yep. like, leave the girl alone let her have her yeah. this, yeah. Is, this is uncomfortable <laughs> this is actually kind of uncomfortable but yeah, he fell asleep during it. But he admitted, uh, well, later admitted he really did, um, and I agree with him on this. Uh, super uh, the uh, uh, substitutionary locomotion. Mm-hmm. That's it. That was a song he actually really enjoyed. Well, that has the that has the the good uh, like Sherman bounce, you know, like it's got that kind of march sound to it, which I think really works for them. I mean, Eugene, you're a music guy. Well, I have to admit that I also was drifting off to sleep. Song with Walt on this song. <laughs> Once he got out of there, I was fine. Okay, um, but yeah. Um, 
So yeah, from a music standpoint, I do prefer their their work on uh, Mary Poppins. Mm-hmm. But I mean, even them on an off day, it's still better than me on an amazing day. So it's like, <laughs> I'm not going to judge. They're great. They're very talented. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, well, uh, one is still alive. One sadly has passed. But. I'm actually old sad. age. Old age. So it's it's uh, Richard Sherman is is still alive, right? Yes. Yes. What was the last uh, film that he worked on? Technically, the new Mary Poppins. Ah! He was brought on to be a uh, consultant. I think I read that on the soundtrack. Yeah. Part. That's and awesome. he did a marvelous job. Like, everyone involved with that did a good job. I haven't seen it yet. We haven't seen it. We want to. Ah, I recommend oh, yeah. it. Since we're talking about Mary Poppins as well. How, yeah. how bad is Lynn Manuel Miranda's British accent? I think they did that intentionally, but it's still kind of like this is a Puerto uh, yeah Puerto Rican man. Yeah, yeah, being put into. <laughs> I don't think he was that terrible. I thought he was going to honestly do worse. So, yeah. well, I mean, I, train I, of salt. I, to be yeah. to be completely His honest, this one's terrible. True. He did a pretty good job. And here's the thing: to be completely honest, like we said in in Mary Poppins, uh, Dick Van Dyke. I, his accent doesn't bother me because it's intentionally corny, and he has a much better accent when he's playing um, the the bank manager. Yes. Uh, yeah. So I mean, that's some. There's something to be said for that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So he can do it. Just did it really, really hammy. Yeah. Like so hammy. Although the two, the three kids. Oh, <laughs> oh my goodness. Three <laughs> kids in this movie. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> These. I'm assuming we're back to the three children in bed, not some burnt Right. Yes, oh my god. Three heroes is what we're talking about. <laughs> Um, I'm not sure what part of London they were from, but it was clearly a part of London that... They're from the same part of London that Noel Fielding is from. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. Fancy a quick governor. You know, like, just... Mm. But I'm assuming these were American children being coached to do British accents. Maybe. I'm looking into that right now. If it was filmed in Burbank, I can't imagine us shipping over British children to do this. Yeah, well... I don't know. Not in the 1970s. They shipped over Angela Lansbury, but... <laughs> well, but she's an adult, and you don't have to uh, have the parents fair, and fair, the fair, fair. and the teachers. Uh, no, they actually have London... They're all from England. Oh! Yeah. Wow. I'm sorry. I could, have, I could just picture the... I could just picture... And who was the director for this film again? I suddenly can't remember. We, we, oh, it was a familiar yeah. name. Uh, they had the opening credits, which were cool, but very long. Uh, are there credits? Is it here? Is nope. it Not on the... Not on the DVD, or not the DVD, not on the VHS. It's on VHS, you guys. It was so much fun to watch it on VHS. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was, it was kind of like a... It, it, I'm not going to lie. Whenever we watch a Disney movie on VHS, it's kind of a trippy sense, because it's like, wow, I just got taken back to my childhood there for a second. <laughs> you know, it reminds me of when you watch a movie in, in, a, in a movie theater, like in the cinema... There's a certain like cinema going experience of like seeing it on a screen and have the right seats and you're in a dark yeah. room. Watching a film on VHS has its own kind of special experience as well. Even just down to like putting it in, pushing a play button on the VCR, having to rewind it first, like all those things. Yeah, we had to trouble with the rewinding <laughs> portion of this. We, we, oh my gosh. We had to we had to actually rewind the movie while it was playing for a bit. And then at one point it stopped rewinding and stopped playing, but we didn't notice. So we get back and we're in the midst of the like the end of the soccer scene. <laughs> and we're like, ah, spoilers. So we, we finally rewound it completely. We managed mm-hmm. to. Uh, you had the The director, by the way, was Robert Stevenson. That's right. I mean mm-hmm. a terrible Robert Louis Stevenson joke. Yes. yes, you did. I did. I'm terrible. 
Um, some other familiar faces that come up with this. We saw some of our... We saw Ward Kimmel was the uh, animation director for this one. Yes. Uh, it was funny. When it went through the live action, we were like, we don't know who any of these people... Oh, my gosh, Roddy McDowell? What are you doing here? <laughs> he's uh, a very small part in this one, Roddy McDowell, but he's in it. He's just the, the vicar that appears for, like, <laughs> well, I, cannot, I cannot hear... The sad thing is I cannot hear the word vicar without thinking of Monty Python vicars. <laughs> <laughs> they're kind of like evening vicar you know like <laughs> I mean he was about that level of vicar like it was yeah pretty much but I, when I picture a vicar the first thing that comes into my head is um um oh gosh not a oh, sorry a pack one of you, python one of the pythons which, which python <laughs> I'm having it, it no, um this is a very difficult no this is the important one because Graham Terry not Terry. Uh, other Terry. Not not Graham. Not John. John. Uh, Eric. Uh, Eric Idle. Thank you. Eric Idle is the person I picture as a vicar all the time. Well, now you can picture Roddy McDowell. Yeah. Roddy McDowell playing Eric Idle playing a vicar. <laughs> Perfect. But, <laughs> all right. But yeah, Roddy McDowell is in this. But like, um, other than that, I was just like, okay. Okay, I don't know any, and then we get to the animation parts, and David and I are like, <gasps> <laughs> Terry Terry Gilliam could have played that Nazi, the lead Nazi yes. guy. Honestly, just think about. <laughs> oh, sorry. Anyway, let's. We've we've been here for almost uh, thirty minutes, and we haven't even talked about I, I the know. movie in like because now we have to kind of go. Over we don't. It. I mean, it's the so where do we start? Uh, at the well, beginning. We, we at can, the beginning. Yes. So basically, uh, this is again. We no, have an opening credit sequence, and it's all like old. Um, well, remember, this is a plus. We can talk about it however we want. Oh, yeah, that's true. It's a plus. We don't have to go into, like, huge... We don't have to do, like, scene by scene by scene. Oh, good. There are no rules. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Usually, usually, if You're we were right. if we were doing... Uh, so, this is a plus because... Um, uh, part of the movie is animated. <laughs> right. Part of the movie is animated. If this was a real one, we would have to go scene by scene by scene. That's our... Wow. Word. Yeah. You guys put a lot of work into these. Oh, yeah. Because uh, we well, just... Well, we, we want to break it down and of examine course. the story. Just like the history. Disney animators. Yes. Exactly. Yes. They yeah. had to do it like that, so why shouldn't we? This one, however, this is live action, so we can gloss over... You but can yeah, cheat just like the live action people. <laughs> yeah. So, um, I guess we can kind of deal with it in terms of, of characters and just general thoughts. Well, um, we got Angela Lansbury playing um, Mrs. Price or England Time Price. In, in, England Time. England, England Time. <laughs> Anglo-Saxon. I have never heard this name before. In, this. England Time? I'm, yeah. Nope, Is that familiar? Never no, it. never. Okay. I'm assuming it's, it's a made-up witchy kind of name. <laughs> so, it does. Mm-hmm. Have a, uh, but yeah, she's a she's an apprentice witch. Uh, I, I'm surprised she's starting to become a witch at like the age of 50, but... <laughs> but people still that old. No, I'm assuming it's kind of like the Red Hat Club. You're like, you have to get to a certain age before you can even apply. <laughs> That's oh. true. Yeah. Okay, but yeah, she's, um... It's 1940s, and uh, she's come to pick up uh, her new broomstick and all that, but then discovers mm-hmm. that she has to take in three kids. Because of a... Because of a... Uh, a- a parliamentary mandate because of a royal... <laughs> That's written down on a blank piece of paper. <laughs> yeah. For a second, I was, like, I was looking at that. Is that, is that like the doctor's psychic paper? Does he just hold it out? Does she? Do, is that lady a, a time lord? Does she hold it out to her and she just saw? Oh, okay. I mean, I somewhat wonder if Mrs. Price, Miss Price, doesn't have like a, a reputation around town for just kind of spaciness and weirdness and you're like, oh, let's see what her, we can get away with today. Well, I mean, her, her motorcycle with a sidecar spews green smoke. Uh-huh. It's amazing. <laughs> I have a question for both of you, actually, yes. actually for, for the whole panel. There's a lot of backstory we don't get in this. How did she find out about Professor Brown's uh, witchcraft college? 
in the first place because clearly this was all like some sort of scam he put on never thinking it would actually work mm-hmm. uh-huh. and yet he had one customer and he just wrote a bunch of stuff in a book and sold it and I just like and then well how did she find out about it in the first place and then newspaper I'm okay. assuming newspaper yeah okay then how has she always been able to manifest powers is that why she's interested do you think I'm assuming she's bored yeah, <laughs> I mean, she doesn't. It's like she doesn't seem to have a job that I know of. She but has I, a black cat, and she has uh, a nice the black cat is from Professor Brown too. They said so in the movie that the last shipment oh, yeah. she got was the cat. Oh, oh yeah, they did say that. So uh, yeah, I, I definitely want to talk about the cat. The cat's name is Cosmic Creepers. Yeah, <laughs> I do it's also a, just real quick before we move on to that though. Um, I feel that this is another movie that is extremely touched by people having experienced World War II. Yes. Which is yeah. something that I felt about a couple of the Disney movies as, as we've watched through them. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think there's a mentality there. She wants this spell because she wants to help in the war effort. Yeah, right. exactly. She's this little old British lady who is dead set on helping in the war well, effort, and this is her way of doing it. And I feel like that is a really, really big piece that we miss a lot. Oh, no, no. But also, I, I picked that up, though, but I, I get why I, she, actually, I, she has the most noble reasons to learn to learn witchcraft. She's like, mm-hmm. I will learn witchcraft in order to fight the Axis. But remember, yes. her, remember they mentioned her father had just passed away, and he was... In the war, or had fought mm-hmm. in World War One. He was, wasn't he? Was, isn't that why she's kind of a, so? She knows the people from like the old World War One veteran brigade. I, mean, yes. I think so. Yes. Yeah. So that was interesting, by the way. There's these characters who show up. I want to talk about them real yeah. quick. Just uh, super quick. There's these old World War One veterans, and they yeah. march around and they have a song, and they're you know happy to defend the place. And they have three scenes basically at the very beginning when they go by the old museum. There's one guy hanging out on a beach, and it plays their song in, as a musical bit in the background, and he gets abducted by the Nazis who are coming in, and we never see him again, so I presume they killed him. And then they show up at the very end to, like, half-heartedly shoot at the fleeing Nazis who have already been <laughs> defeated by the the arm, the suits, the, the animated uh, object mm-hmm. army. And to, to take credit for the, the massive, overwhelming rout of, oh, yes. of the Nazis. I right. taught them a lesson. Yeah, we showed them. We, sh- we 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 showed them Krauts what for. Oh. And then they do actually show up one more time when Professor Brown joins them at the end of the movie. Yes. That's right. He joins them. Okay, so there's four, four glorious scenes. scenes. Yeah, they don't. But they don't do a lot. No. There's, there's a no. Um. So, no. but you were about to say something. So her, yeah. So we, her father had passed away and probably left her the house. So, mm-hmm. um. She actually puts the kids up in her da- her father's old room. Mm-hmm. And I'm assuming most of the things that we see, like, animated in the, the test spell sequence are his old war things. Like oh. the, the sword, the gloves, the, like, all of those things are old World War One kind of things. Okay, so, yeah, that, that also explains why, yeah, okay, that makes sense, actually. And I you think also... You saber like that. Yeah, if we assume yeah. the saber is her dad's, I'm also assuming her dad was an officer, because that... Makes more sense with the same. That guy. does make sense. Okay, so that that part's not that strange. I was that thinking about, but we because there, are, if you think about the movie carefully, there's the beats do make sense. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I just feel like some beats of it are are clumsy. Mm-hmm. And I feel like like that was my driving point of like there are things that would make more sense if we had a certain set of assumptions going in that were like super familiar to us. Right, right. Because like you know, because this is 1971 and World War II would have ended. Thirty some odd yeah. years prior. Uh, now here's the funny part. Uh, Angela Lansbury was was actually a World War II evacuee. Oh, oh yeah, when she was in her teens, uh, she was in England during World War II. 
Her mother gave her the choice of being evacuated from London to a boarding school in the country or studying acting at home, and she chose the latter without hesitation. Wow. <laughs> By the way, she hated this role. Oh. Oh. Well, didn't hate it. She didn't. She wasn't too fond of it. Uh, she, she didn't want to be. Uh, she didn't want to be a substitute, Julie Andrews. <laughs> no, she, oh, well, oh. they actually asked Julie Andrews. Or something. Oh no. <laughs> yeah. I wouldn't have wanted to see that, to be honest with no. you. I couldn't no. watch this if Julie Andrews... Yeah. So Julie Andrews is already in another movie about Nazis. So. That's true. Oh, yeah! <laughs> yeah, you can't, you can't have her Mary come Poppins back Mary Poppins makes The Sound of Music and makes Bed Knobs and Bruce. <laughs> yes. Unfortunately, that's what the attempt, I think, was. So, so um, she, she called it By the Numbers Acting, and since there were so many special effects, this entire film had to be storyboarded in, in advance, shot for shot. Oh. So every moment was predetermined, so she couldn't exactly explore the character. Oh yeah. So but that does make a lot of sense. That would be really yeah. Oh yeah. She's doing her best. I give her. I give her props. Mm-hmm. She's probably one of the better. She's probably one of the better actors in the movie. Honestly. Oh yeah. She's but, like. She's a really good. Actress, but even so. but even you can tell sometimes she's a little bit like, just kind of. She's just kind of there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean. I don't know. But yeah, she. But basically, uh, yeah, she takes in the three kids, and uh, she's not too happy about it because she's learning to be a witch right now, and she's yeah, doing, she's doing her thing. Uh, uh, but like, um, the the point of the story though is like she's trying to figure out the spell that she thinks will help in the war efforts, mm-hmm. and that's. I, the, I imagine that there was a curriculum given out, which is why she was anticipating getting to this yes. spell. I was like, oh, dude, I could. There's a museum down the road. I can literally animate all the suits of armor there and, and then have them defend England from the from the Nazis. Mm-hmm. So that's, you know, it was really, it's cool. I, I do like that motivation a lot. I love it's it. It's a seriously ambitious plan she has. It yeah. does. But, I mean, if you, but, but, but if you had the ability to learn magic to defend your, your country from invaders. Like, Maybe. You? But, well. <laughs> going, going back Armed to. invaders, I mean, specifically. The way, like, <laughs> like, literally, they're coming in to get you with. Um, like like tanks and stuff. I feel like it's the same kind of thing as wanting to or know like in this robot case. soldiers. Like you're trying oh, to yeah. save human life by putting something in between you and and it. Right. Yeah. And you know the thing is she's not saying I'm going to use the army to go to Germany and fight the Nazis. She's saying no, I'm literally just having them here to defend our border, to defend mm-hmm. uh, the coast of England from invading like Ger- you know, German Germans invading by yeah. sea. So like it was I, I, to that, to, and I can get behind that logic, honestly. But from a military family, I'd be surprised that that would be her first, like, ideas like, you know what we should do? Go learn witchcraft and enchant <laughs> yeah. things to fight. Yeah, she's, she's a little out there. Yeah, but yeah, that's why quirky. I give her the credit. She's yeah. quirky. Yeah, yeah. Again, anything to, like, reduce the cost of human life and maybe even resources to a degree. Because, sure. again, if you're using reanimated old suits of armor, that's the, the, already been done. And, and, and we see it's effective. Oh, very. Yeah. They get shot a bunch and... Yeah, that's that's the climactic scene. Is she brings all of these uh, uh, suits of armor to life to fight against the Nazis that have invaded her small little town in England? Well, mostly, like the, the mostly they, it's like they go to invade her. Really, they mostly just kind of invade her house. Yeah, it really <laughs> yeah. is mostly limited to her. I don't home. know why her house. Like, what was so special that they were like, you know what? This is a good place to set up. Strategy mischief there. I, yeah, <laughs> I do want to talk about mischief Nazis. I do want to talk about mischief Nazis, but I feel like we need to don't let it all in good time. Okay. Well, I want to talk about her house because I just realized that maybe her house is maybe her father built that house in a key strategic location during the First World War. 
uh, or after possible. it. I mean, we don't actually know much of anything about where in England they are. Like, I, I know it's small. It's definitely Dover. the country. It's it might Dover. be Dover. <laughs> it, it's definitely the country. That's for sure. The cliffs definitely, of Dover. Definitely. I mean, <laughs> um, is that the, actually a real town? Do we know? Pepperidge or whatever. What Dover? No, not, I know Dover's <laughs> a real town. No, no, no. Pep, it, oh, oh, Pepperidge Pepper, I was Pepper the name of it. Pepperidge yeah. I. Because yeah. Pepperidge Farm remembers Pepperidge I. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let me look it up and see if that's a... But it, I mean, it reminds me of Dover. It's got the big, the big sea It's not it. real. Okay. Not, not real. Not a real place. The fictional town of and I, Dover. And I kind of got that feeling. <laughs> Sorry to anyone from Dover who happens to listen to this podcast. <laughs> not that anyone from Dover listens to this podcast. <laughs> But if I anyone from Dover would like to listen to this you, podcast, you, now's your chance. <laughs> I mean, We're calling you out, Dover. Although, wait, what? It? Oh, I was I I was gonna say it's in Kingdom Hearts. I'm like, oh wait, no. <laughs> I was gonna say I'm like, if Ben Knobs and Broom Six is in Kingdom Could Hearts, you three, imagine instead of the gummy ship, you jump on a bed and you fly <laughs> between universes. It goes da 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 da. Colors. No, there's a reason that doesn't happen in the game. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Uh, but yeah, so the kids, uh, they, she, she's with, I guess, uh, the kids figure out she's a witch and, um, well, they, they, they straight, straight up blackmail this How old are these kids again? Uh, the oldest, Charlie, is like 11. Okay. Yes. 11 going on 12. 12. 11 going on 12. Uh, we assume. I mean the 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 girl. Wait, it's Charlie. What's the girl's name? Uh, Susan. Susan. No, no, no. Claire, 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 Carrie, Carrie, Carrie. 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 Sounds right. Yeah, Charlie, Carrie, Carrie and, and Paul. Paul. So uh, Carrie, I, yeah. <laughs> Paul's like six. I love Paul. So Carrie, Paul's the best. <laughs> I, I'm assuming. I thought Carrie was older the way she acted, but you know what? She could be. I, I think of this mature for her age. Like, yeah, she is little girl growing up, being mother a little too soon. Well, I mean, she probably have to be because, uh, as, as far as we know, there are they, are they? We don't know if they're orphaned. I think they're, they just got sent away. They're definitely so. evacuated. They're evacuees. But then they're but they keep saying like he could be our father and stuff like that. I'm like, oh, about the professor. Yeah, yeah that is a little like if you have a father, you don't need a new father. Yeah. <laughs> did, did, did they not want to talk? Ta- did I guess they're like, oh, I guess they should just be evacuees. And they but they make that part. I'm like, did they forget to put out the line where they said their parents were killed in the London bombings or something like? Yeah, I don't know. Uh, Maybe we can just assume for the purpose of this that their parents are gone since their parents are literally never mentioned. No. Yeah, yeah. and they stay. Yeah. The we end. want to go back to London. They, they do want to, the reason they, yeah. the whole reason they see this is they try to run away from home. And they do keep saying they want to go back to London. They don't say go back to our parents. They don't say go back to our home. family. They, they yeah. literally are just We're going, going back, back to, to London. London. <laughs> London's what they know. So yeah. I mean, so weirdly, city kids. we end up with these three children under the age of 12 blackmailing a, a <laughs> very ineffective witch and then we forget about it as soon as we use that to be a vehicle to get the magical bed that takes us on the rest right. of the adventure. Like, right. Like, that's the only reason this happens is like they want to say well can you give us a guarantee mm-hmm. that Which, oddly Charlie's the one that asks for the guarantee and Paul is the one that gets it. It's and it's like a weird way to just keep well, Paul active in the story. Because yeah. Paul was the only one who had anything on him. Because he's like, I literally just pulled the bed knob off the bed <laughs> well, earlier. I, but I have this piece of blue glass and this lovely bit of string. Do we We never mention this movie, by the way, that Paul is a little thief. Yes. He yes. stole the bed knob off of the 
bed. And then it's like, here you go. Can, can we talk? And we can also, you know, keep in mind, later in Portobello Road, he's eating like a king. We don't know uh, how he got that food. No idea. He's, well, he's, Paul is a mess, and I love Paul. Paul's pretty great. Yeah. He's probably, the of the of the three child actors in this movie, he might actually be the... He might be. Just because of his character, the way he was written, yeah. he might be the best. Well, he's the one that, like, like happens to pick up on things and know things, but then it's like, oh, yeah, this exists. Give Everyone it ignores him because yeah. he's small. Um, and that's that's a plot point later because he's the one who finds out about the, the incantation because it was in his book the he whole time. He was in this book oh. the whole time. Paul it, could have had this movie over in like five minutes. Uh, yeah, exactly. Honestly, uh, but it, really, it was kind of luck that he found that book when they went to the abandoned it's, house. I know. I'm, I'm sorry. So they they take her in. They're they're gonna blackmail her. It doesn't work. Uh, the oldest brother gets turned into uh, Charlie rabbit. gets turned into a rabbit. That's a pretty and and by the way. Um, that, that's this, is, this isn't a good opportunity to talk about the, the live-action animal acting in this movie, yeah. which is very good. Super. Oh, my gosh. Like, the cat actually, like, nods its head. You actually see a rabbit pull a book out of a sh- bookshelf, and you're like, that's a really well-trained rabbit. Yes, it is. It winks at one point. It winks. <laughs> um, <laughs> such but I will say, like, like the, the animals have a lot of personality. The rabbit, the, the they use this, I'm sure they use the same rabbit to play every rabbit. No, I'm not sure. Uh, I don't think the so. The rabbit's eye color changes. There are points in this movie huh. the rabbit is definitely an albino with pink eyes. Oh, yeah. And then there's definitely parts where the rabbit is brown-eyed. Really? But it's yes. always a white rabbit. It's always a white mm. rabbit. Okay. Yeah, well, that's, that's and that makes sense. Good eye. Good eye. <laughs> and actually, that makes sense, because usually they, it would, they would normally have multiple animals. For yeah, it. and how hard sense. the stunts are, if you don't need a particularly well-trained rabbit for a shot, then maybe for that scene, you know, you don't pay as much, and you get a clumsier rabbit. <laughs> exactly. Hot places. <laughs> what, if, yeah. what if they used one rabbit to, like, you know how in the credits they're like, you know, stunt person for Mr. So-and-so? What if they had rabbit for David Tomlinson and then the rabbit for the, for Charlie? Uh, uh, yeah, I assume it's more like running rabbit, book pulling mm. rabbit, rabbit, winking rabbit. Rabbit. rabbit, rabbit that you hold by the ears. Uh, Can we talk about how uncomfortable it is? Apparently, that is it, it, that is it doesn't hurt him. Like okay. That's, that's okay. It's, like, it's like that scruff of the neck for the cat. It like looks like it should be really bad, but it's, huh. it's just, yeah. I wouldn't do that. I still wouldn't do that to a rabbit. Yeah, but I, like because I I, 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 I looked like that up just to see. Like, yeah, are it's those, a big rabbit. I try to look at like those are real rabbits and all that, and it says yes because someone was actually worried like if they were pulling on those ears, is that bad or whatever? And they're like, actually, no, technically not because, hmm. but it's still like <laughs> a. Yeah, I would still not do that either. I do want to talk about, since we started to segue into it earlier, and we've been waiting for this moment, I want to talk about Cosmic Creep. Oh, yes. <laughs> Cosmic Creep. That's my favorite character. That is an amazing name for a cat, by the way. <laughs> Especially for a woman who does not believe in ridiculous names for animals. She she claims the cat named itself. It's true. And I think Cosmic Creeper is a pretty amazing name for a cat. Like, <laughs> yeah. exactly how can you one-up that? Yeah. Exactly. He's a very mangy-looking cat, but he's like... Got a lot of personality. Very I like that he's a. I like that he scares people. That's he like scares, his thing. Yeah, he's a scare. He's supposed to be scary, but I would walk up to him and be like, "Hey, buddy." And then there's a fan. <laughs> yeah, he's a he. He's a very uh, cantankerous cat. Although it, I mean, he's pretty chill around Miss uh, um, Price, though. Like he, like yeah. he actually shakes his head. When- I love true. that part. Yes, I like that the cat actually knows how to be a witch better than she does. Yes. It does occasionally make me wonder whether the cat has always been a cat. Oh. I mean, it, it came well, but, from, it was part of the kit, right, for the witch yeah. trains. Mm-hmm. So but if that was all scam, then... He's just random, what if there random was, cat. <laughs> what if there was literally one time where it worked? 
And yeah. he just got someone, one of his snake oil things literally turned someone into a cat. He's like, well, and then for my next trick, I'm going to sell this cat to somebody. <laughs> well, I better hide the evidence. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, David, so uh, that's actually one of the things. She's trying to figure out this the spell because she needs it right. to, like, finish her training or whatever. So she goes to see the professor who hosts this, like, college or whatever. Because he's he sent a letter that says, I'm closing it down due to the war efforts, blah, 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 blah. Right. And then she goes to visit him and then realizes... Go ahead. Sorry. Go ahead. No, 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 no. Finish, finish, finish. finish. But he, yeah, he's just played by David Tomlinson as a uh, illusionist scam artist. But okay, yeah, the journey to get there. Yeah, I want to talk about because this, this is a good place to talk about the bed flying scenes. <laughs> Your favorite parts of the movie. Yeah. This is honestly my favorite parts of the movie I, because that's not cosmic creep. Well, that's not cosmic creep. Yeah. But all the is it weird that that the two my two favorite things in the movie? Well, my three favorite things in the movie are the most psychedelic parts. A cat named Cosmic Creep is pretty 70s, True. in my opinion. Very, yeah. yeah. Um, the animated sequences are all very good, I think. Especially yes. the soccer game, which we'll get to. We need to discuss the animated We need to discuss the soccer game. But the bed sequences are so trippy. They're very trippy. I feel like they come with a seizure warning now. <laughs> yeah. Like, I feel like Sid and Marty Croft had a field day with this. Like, if they were watching this, they'd be like, whoa. But, um, like, honestly, it's like these these just crazy psychedelic shots of them flying through Technicolor. And it plays this kind of upbeat version of The Age of Not Believing, which you never hear again except for in those sequences. So that surprises me that it became kind of the motif of flying the bed is a song about not the age of not believing. Yeah. <laughs> Don't stop believing. <laughs> Does that work better if you play that over the top? Oh my gosh, oh. could you could you imagine? <laughs> Do you think if you played Pink Floyd's The Wall over this? Oh my gosh. I mean, the possibilities here are endless. I think we need to get on YouTube and we need to upload a few. Let's, let's yeah. see what else they can you, sample them. Can you play Pink Floyd's The Wall over this or will it match up here? Like, <laughs> um... But yeah, no, I just, I was thinking about these sequences and going like, if there wasn't, if there was any sign that this movie was made in the 70s, it was, it's these sequences. Which is pretty amazing for something made in 1971. Yeah. It's already got that like, wow, this is the 70s kind of feel. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. I kind of, I kind of liked it though. I think traveling, I think, and I kept thinking of Disney rides, like we were saying, but I was thinking of Circle Vision, like old school Circle Vision, where you're standing in the theater and it it felt very 70s and you would like (laughs) watch this 360 degree screen go around you. The old Circle Vision ride, and um, so it wasn't really a ride because you just stood in the theater. It felt like a ride, <laughs> like low key, like old school soaring over California, but without the rotating seats. Um, but yeah, I would, I would, I think they should have that ride still. Anyway. <laughs> I, I, do, I do like that joke. It's like, are we eleven? Of course we are. Don't you smell that suit, city air? That was good. Uh, the bit with the the I you mean know, the whole bit where they meet him. Let's let's talk a little bit about David Tomlinson. So character. if you guys don't remember David, oh. really? <laughs> somebody has a lot to say about him. Yes, Gracie Gracie was uh, very into the animal actors in this movie. Yes, <laughs> Cosmic Creep. Cosmic Creep was her favorite best character. performing actor. Yeah, yes. best performing actor goes to how come animal actors never got a cat yeah movie? seriously. They have to work so much harder sometimes. Seriously. Yeah. Didn't animal... I know, I'm pretty sure animal actors... I, I, do you think they, like, during the Nickelodeon Kids' Choice Awards, I think... I seem to recall them giving... I think they did, yeah. yeah. ...animal yeah. actors awards. Because I remember very specifically uh, the lead Dalmatian from the live-action 101 oh. Dalmatians. Oh, I think it was an Air Bud movie or something. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Uh, Whoever played Pongo. Like the monkey from Dustin Checks In yes. or something. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, 
Yeah, David Tomlinson. <laughs> you beat a monkey in chess once. <laughs> you did beat a chess. I should get an award for that. You should yeah. get an award oh. for beating a monkey in chess. Has any, did anyone ever give you an award for that? I don't think no. so. No, I'm I not didn't. sure he actually won, guys. <laughs> oh, that's true. <laughs> that's true. But well, I think you won in the, in the essence that you 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 succeeded in actually getting that monkey to do what you want to do. <laughs> that's, that's enough victory for me. Yeah, because I, I I know the press. <laughs> you told me horror stories about that shoot. So. Oh yeah. <clears throat> yep. Uh, yes. All the more reason to be impressed with the animal actors in this one. Yes. Yes. Good uh, way to David Tom- nice positive spin on that. By the way, David Tomlinson, yes. if you remember, who played Mr. Banks in uh, Mary Poppins. Very different character in this. So different. Very. Super different. And I do, I love that you show up and you already have an image of who Professor Brown is in your head as like the head of the witchcraft thing. <laughs> and then you're just immediately like, no, no, this, uh-huh. this, this is not him. You know, and I, I, you watch him, and, and like I said, I, I commented on this out loud. I said, well, Mr. Banks really fell far after he lost his job. <laughs> that is a pretty, like, it really felt almost, like, genuine. Like, wow, this guy is not put together. He really doesn't know what he's doing. He's not even successfully tricking anybody. Like, that's, he's got so many strikes against him when he's first introduced as and a character. And yet right? he tricked this woman, but it turned out his trick Works and that's yeah. astounding. <laughs> I don't think she ever. I, there's. I was. I was expecting there to be a liar revealed turnaround where yeah. you know, but it never happens. I she just like honestly that. believes that he knew what he was doing. Kind or of. I, I think time. she kind of figured out it wasn't. He didn't know it. She's just like, well, it works. So yeah, I don't mind. <laughs> just all. I, I all will be forgiven. I just need the other end of that book so we can we can kick the. Well, kick okay, any, he was. She wasn't exactly. I mean, she wasn't exactly like to him she's just like no i need this right now i don't care about that okay you may be a fraud i don't care i need this spell you gotta help me get it it's true for as like weird and flighty as she is she definitely has that practicality of being like hey i know this works mm-hmm. let's go yeah. and to his credit he does try to help her he does yes that's true he, he also tries to persuade her to become his assistant Yes. While being weird and pushy and pushing her around literally on a, a one of those cool bookcase ladders, those ladders yeah. on it. I've always wanted one of those. I did too. You would do that to somebody too if you had access to a ladder. <laughs> yeah, but I would ask them first. See, it's called consent. I would. I wouldn't. I'd be like, you're on a pushy ladder. You know why you're up there. I don't know you're on the room. Now. No, see, I, I've been wanting one ever since I saw Beauty and the Beast as a kid because oh, yeah. I want to be able to like swing my arm and move across that way. I, I want adventure in the great big library. Okay, but I'm sorry, but in Shanghai Nights with Jackie Chan, it has a fight on one of those things. It's the coolest thing. That's right. Oh my I'm God. like, if there's anything good to take away from that movie, it's probably that fight scene in the library with a pushy ladder. That sounds great. That's not, and you know what? That's a, I've never seen Shanghai Nights. Oh, I, well, I, now, I have reason to now I have to. Now I have to. I think the moral of the story is whoever you are, whatever kind of movies you're watching, we all want the pushy ladder. <laughs> yes. It's the true hero of every story. It's the pushy ladder in the libraries. <laughs> I should mention no, that I was that. always so disappointed whenever I went to like Barnes & Noble because they do have those pushy ladders. Uh, well, uh, they did at Borders. I don't know if they do. Yeah, I've seen one, one like one place was very yeah. short. Yeah, but it's still like, I, there was always that part of me it's like, I want to go up and it says only, cut, like a uh, it would say... Employees only? Thank you. Oh, and you almost said cast members only. Huh? I Yes, I did. Yes, I, I did. I've seen a few, one, I think, that I was allowed to get on, but it was not well-oiled enough. Oh. It slid about three inches. This is Oh, that's a 
What a waste of a pushy ladder. Yeah. <laughs> this was a really good pushy ladder, too, because it looked like it went around the entire room. Yeah. Yeah. It actually curved at the wall. Oh, that's By the way, can we question the fact that the, this isn't even from his own library? He actually, he found, like, a, the place, like, abandoned after a bomb, like, hit it, and... But he, he, he hid, so he had the book before the bomb. Did he? No, no. Did he, he find it, it there? I he found it, he might have found it in the library. That's I, why, that's well, why that, the book of Isle of Nabumbu. Oh, there too. do you think uh, Astaroth the wizard might have owned that house in the distant past? Maybe. And a wizard ran away from an unexploded bomb in his front yard? Oh, no, 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 I'm saying he, his, 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 whoever, no, I'm saying he could have built the house. Mm, and okay. then whoever uh, took the house afterward was like, you know, after he, by the way, he was killed by those animals. Can we talk about that? <laughs> <laughs> Do you want to talk about that? Well, okay, we'll get to that. But <laughs> oh my god, we get his backstory a little later, and it's insane yeah, when it's you think dark. about it in oh context. Yeah, especially when they no, they didn't make the kids book about. No, they did make the kids. They made book the about. kids book about the island of Nabumbu, which is in a different universe. So it turns out. Oh my gosh. Okay. But, okay. Okay. Wait. 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 First, first thing. First thing. So the bomb. I want to talk about the bomb for a sec because I was expecting there to be a payoff with it. You show no. a bomb stuck in the ground in a scene, right? It's the Chekhov's gun rule. Yeah, you're right. Never mentioned. And it again. it's just to set the scene for why it's an abandoned house, <laughs> which is kind of disappointing. Wanted, I wanted them to like have the bomb go off or have it be there be a payoff to it uh, later because we have what? an unexploded bomb lying in the ground. Yeah, it's uh, that didn't bother me as much. I th- I saw it more as a "Are you kidding me? You're still living here?" He's like, "Yeah." So, yeah, I mean, I didn't expect it to go off either. I was more just like, and we're letting the children stay here? Can we, can we move them? We literally evacuated them for this purpose. The most responsible parents. (laughs) Nicely done. Nicely done. Uh, There's no time to be responsible when the Axis is marching and you need magic spells. Yeah. So So to that end, they're like, well, well, we need to find the other end of this book because it got torn off. Yeah. Let's go to, uh, wait, I know, just the place, immediate smash cut scene transition. Without any setup to Portobello Road, Portobello Road, and to me, yeah, the whole to me, okay, so so everything else in the movie, I got okay, it's kind of it's kind of like going with the formula of Mary Poppins, but it's not like blatantly trying to like lazily rip anything off or anything. This is so on the nose, and it's not even that good. Like it doesn't. There's no substance to it. They're just kind of like it's here and it's happening. I, that's just my opinion about the whole Portobello well, Road bit. Well, because like, the, the whole thing is like, oh, they're exploring this place that it has, sells a bunch of cool stuff. But then also they cut from like, <laughs> oh, we got a scene with these people dancing. And then we and then it does a dissolve into another scene of people dancing. And then the dissolve to another scene of people dancing. The, it only sort of connects. It barely sort of. Yeah. yeah. This, I, I, this is the scene, though, that they have extended versions of, too, right? Yes. All right. This is uh, the one. Yeah. And Didn't off- we get a question about this, too, from one of our... Did we? I thought we did. Uh, I don't know. Let me look. Might I... be worth looking up. Yeah. Like, on Twitter? On Twitter. Yeah, okay, let me look into that. Yeah. Portobello Road. Portobello Road? I, I see the comparisons to Mary Poppins. I was thinking, I in my head, was thinking it was a little like on um, the chimney sweep dance up on the rooftop. Yeah, it's Step in Time. Yeah, where Step in Time has a little bit of it thrown together and it's not, it's more for the spectacle of seeing a bunch of people dancing, sharing sort of a 
what feels like an alien culture to a lot of us. Yeah. And like, look how flashy this is, but there's not really substance there that you needed in the movie. It just eats up some time and right. shows cool moves. What, what with the you, you you highlighted that so well because what happens is we we, we uh, go to Portobello Road and there's really no context. He just starts playing a piano at one point, and then for the rest of forever, people are dancing even when he's not playing the piano. <laughs> Uh, but but uh, the the whole thing with Mary Poppins that made the chimney sweep scene so good is that there was a great buildup. Yeah, it starts with Bert, you know, cleaning the chimney. Then he talks mm-hmm. about the world of chimney sweeps. They all go to the chimney. They all traipse across the roofs of London. We see London at night. There's some cool character building moments with them, and then the rest of the chimney sweeps all up. So there's been a reasonable expectation buildup for a big musical number. So when a bunch of chimney sweeps suddenly jump out of nowhere and start dancing. It's it makes sense. Yeah. yeah. It makes sense in the in the um the logic of this universe now. Yeah, I like uh by the way, I didn't find any question. Oh, okay. I thought we had one. Uh if, if We might have. I'm was, sorry. We're we don't usually get questions on anything like this, but someone once I mean, maybe it was on Discord even. But we were, someone asked us if we'd seen the extended version of the Portobello Road scene and what we thought of it. And considering that I think this might be unless unless of course the version that had more time added to it has more portobello room. And I wonder if there is, because there were certain cuts that were really abrupt, even inside the dancing sequence. Yeah. And I'm like, there clearly was more filmed there. There was it was like crossfaded, right? Like it yeah. was dis- yeah, it it dissolved, dissolved into other shots of people dancing. Yeah, yeah Gracie, I know. <laughs> <laughs> but, but that was weird. That was weird to you. It no, was absolutely definitely. weird. Yeah, just kind of disjointed, and you would say poorly planned, except, again, I don't think it was planned like that. <laughs> well, I, I, that's why I guess they must have cut. Yeah. But then the cuts were awkward, because, like, we want to keep some of this scene. I feel, and, and this is the scene I don't really remember that well. Yeah. At all. I remember the song before it, because it's not, by itself, it's not yeah. a terrible song, but in the context of the scene, it just doesn't add much to the plot but oh yeah uh for the uh 25th anniversary in 1996 uh most of the deleted film material was found and some segments of uh, portobello road had to be reconstructed from work prints to match the film quality of the main stuff as well there is footage for a song called a step in the right direction which um we did not see for this Um, okay uh it was uh, the footage for a step in the right direction was never recovered, but a construction was used from the original music track lined up to the existing production stills. And okay. then uh, also they found other songs called Nobody's Problems. Okay. Which um, that never had to be cut. Uh, Lansbury only made a demo recording singing with a solo piano. Oh, okay. interesting. Uh, yeah, there was a bunch of extra stuff. And then uh, because the soundtrack for some of the spoken tracks were unrecoverable, they actually had to redub their parts. Like, Lansbury had to come back, and so did McDowell. Like, McDowell actually had, like, a 10-minute-long scene. Oh, he actually had, okay. Oh. He actually had a bigger part, because there's a, literally a, a bit at the beginning where he shows up and talks about the spiritual education. He's a vicar. And she rides off and blows green smoke in his face on his <laughs> yeah. motorcycle. Um, and then he, he comes in again when... They do the substitutionary, the yeah. commotion. Mm-hmm. He's uh, outside the house. Just for a comic moment. Yeah. Yeah. Um, however. This is scary. Like, I, I don't blame his reaction because he opens the door and this, like, headless nightgown comes, like, traipsing out with his arms on And he just goes, ah, It is pretty. I, I, if I were in his shoes, I would be genuinely Terrified. scared. Yes. Yep. So, um, but yeah, uh, also, uh, David Tomlinson, even though he was still alive at the time, didn't do the ADR dubs for the later 1996 oh. one. Okay. Uh, cause he was in ill health. 
Aww. Uh, yeah, the only two original people were Lansbury and McDowell. Okay. And um, everyone, they just got other actors for that. And okay. then they premiered it in Beverly Hills and then later broadcast it on Disney Channel in 1998. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. So, no, we didn't watch that part. No. <laughs> mm-hmm. We saw the movie as it was seen in theaters. Uh, they get mugged. Or they they get they get accosted by a fellow with a switchblade mm-hmm. and that or a knife. Just He's very middle. fond of his his knife. Yeah, I, I want to use my big big pardon, sir, but I want to use my own, my own knife. Personal touch. <laughs> and he takes them to Bookman. The Bookman. The Bookman. The Bookman. He's, book, he's just a book collector who's also a criminal and stabs people. Yeah. Yes. But he was so desperate for this uh, other half of the book because he had the other half. So we don't know what he wants to do with a substitutionary locomotion spell. No, but he he wants it a lot enough to hire some guy to go out and, and stab Murder little British children. Ladies. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. It gets dark there for a minute. <laughs> he gives us the story of of uh, uh, a- a- Astaroth. Yes. yes. Astaroth, the wizard, and we explains that he had come up with a spell to make animals intelligent or something and be more like people, but he took them to an island and let them free and then they killed him. Oops. What the Mistakes world? are made. So that's in my mind, right? Mm-hmm. And I then, mean, yeah. And then they, they, they're able to use the, 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 the book, the, the bed to go to the Island of Nabumbu, which is in another, which is in an animated universe. Mm-hmm. So we know that Astaroth, because, so we know that the travel spell doesn't let you just travel to places on Earth. It lets you travel to other universes, mm-hmm. if they exist. Now I, uh, yeah, so in this animated world, since we're technically an animation podcast. This like, is the part we can. This is the part we should talk about more. An hour in, and an we hour. can now talk about the animation part. <laughs> now I got a, I got a question. I'm sorry, this is just a fun movie to talk about. No, it is, it is a fun yeah. movie. About. And it's fun talking with you two, honestly. Oh, so, yeah. Pretty good company. Uh, <laughs> now, you both, uh, well, uh, you both have done animation on your show. Now, my question is, what do you think of the animation for this movie? Oh, I mean, it's, to me, very classic and uh, some of the most lively, you know, content of the entire film. Um, which is saying something because their cast is good. Like their live action cast actually is enjoyable to watch. Yeah. And yet you're not going to be, you know, once you have the opportunity to watch, you know, a, a soccer game between alligators and <laughs> gorillas and ostrich and just the, the creativity involved with, you know, using them in interesting ways to, you know, be playing off each other. That's all really, really super cool. Um, yeah, I was I was impressed. Mm hmm. Uh, there was something off, and I can um, I couldn't figure it out until just now because yeah. I was like I'm like is it the characters? I'm like no, the characters look great. I like they are well animated. There is like details and stuff like that, <sighs> and I realized there really isn't any background. I mean, there is, but it's not. Uh-huh. It's because ah. that's one of the things that. David and I would usually comment about during the movies. We're like, oh my gosh, look at the animated backgrounds. They're so gorgeous. Or like, oh my gosh, they're so bland. What is this? How dare they? Or my my (laughs) issue with um, Sleeping Beauty. I'm like, it's lovely. It's not cohesive. Uh, um, Um, This doesn't have much of a background. You're correct. It doesn't. I didn't even think about it until you mentioned it. Yeah, yeah. because I was thinking about it. The one part of the background I really notice is when they go to the 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 sea bottom club or whatever, and it's in that shipwreck. Mm -hmm. And then they go in, and it's like curtains. There's like it's kind of a dance floor situation. That's the rest of it. And I guess the rest of it they had to do because they needed to substitute like sets for some of it. Mm-hmm. But you can actually see where the animation begins and the set ends mm-hmm. a little yes. bit in some of the scenes when they're on the surface. 
Um, I feel like the bulk of the live action animation like budget went to the underwater stuff because initially they yeah. just crash into the lagoon. Absolutely. And you could uh, that part's really exquisite because you get actually when they sing sometimes like bubbles come out, animated mm-hmm. bubbles come out of their mouths. Yeah, the the live action animation interaction in that entire sequence is phenomenal. It's insanely like, well done. Watching two characters dance underwater and do like flips and things, and like obviously the gravity of it isn't right. There's the woman's in a skirt; the skirt does not go the way water would make it go. Yeah, but it still is very lively <laughs> and very like fun. And they do an excellent job of making you feel like it might be underwater, even though you know it's not. Right. They don't seem particularly perturbed by the lack of oxygen. No. No, no they do not. <laughs> or the deep ocean pressure. No. That's true. Yeah, the choreography is, is very good for all that stuff. I think that's what makes it so forgiving to allow things like the physics to be a little bit goofy. But you go, I don't mind. I'm watching an underwater dance sequence, and it's very fun and very charming. Yes. Oh, yeah. I actually really like the song, too, actually. Uh, beautiful Briny Sea. Beautiful Briny Sea. This is one of those I had on a on a Disney sing-along song tape as a kid. In, ah. case, in case you didn't know how much of a leftover this was um, for <laughs> Mary Poppins, it, Beautiful Briny Sea was originally written for uh, a sequence in Mary Poppins. Oh, my goodness. So there would have been a, a scene when Mary Poppins spins a compass sending uh, the Banks children into several exotic locations. And this is one of them. Now that actually makes sense because uh, remember that there was going to be a, the song uh, "Trust in Me." Oh, but it was originally "Land of Sand." Sand. Mm. Yeah, so there was huh. yeah there was gonna it was gonna be a song called "Land of Sand." And we're like, what are they talking about? There's no sand in Mary. But Poppins. it's to the but if you've seen the Jungle Book, it's "Trust in Me." Yes, mm-hmm. "Land of Sand." I think that's originally how okay. it was gonna go. Gotcha. But that yeah. explains the tone of that song mm-hmm. a lot. Yeah, yeah. And, which of course it worked for. Ka, because caused this, like, yeah. Yeah. snake. Anyway. <laughs> and it's... It's a hypnotizing and, snake. Yeah. Uh, that, but That is really interesting that they're using Mary Poppins' leftovers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they're basically sure everybody's like, yeah. we had all these songs written for Mary Poppins, and we know P.L. Travers basically <sighs> said no to all of them. Where else can we use You know what? Them? I will say this much, though. This sound like, now that I you, I know this, I can picture, uh, I can picture uh, Mary Poppins and Bert singing this song to each other. Very, mm-hmm. very. Yeah. And it would be lovely. Um, but, yeah, and then, I, oh. I, I love the fact, it's just like this hook coming down, but it's like a horse song, like, the fish hook coming down. That's what breaks it up. The transition from water to land, getting, like, actually fished out of the water is insane and wonderful yeah and you can tell like i said when, when they get the animated parts here are good this is where the majority of the animation part went yes but they're just kind of relegated to some background parts although david tomlinson is front and center during the soccer game mm. uh we get some characters we get uh blue again basically blue <laughs> again except he's wearing a little sailor outfit it has an incredibly different voice and it is weird to me how much that voice throws me into thinking it's a completely different character yeah like it actually takes me a little while to be like no that is actually very close to the blue bear mm-hmm. <laughs> he doesn't he doesn't look as I mean the character is a, is a very is a Disney bear but he doesn't look like he doesn't look as much like Phil Harris so no. there's that much at least there, there is a bit of a difference but it's not as wait till we get to Robin Hood <laughs> well, oh my gosh well, well considering that's the is that the next next one we're doing right yes it is okay because there that's the, the Phil Harris trilogy there's a lot of sequences in this one actually that I mean I, I was a big Robin Hood fan as a kid too and I know there's a lot of overlap yeah. Um, even, like, so there's a king that hits his advisor on the head and drives oh. him all the way down into the suit's clothes. It is straight copied in Robin Hood. 
Prince John. I mean, it's, it's even, it's a king lion. It's a king lion. Mm. I think there's sections of the lion in this that are repeated for not John, but Richard. And oh. so it goes back and forth as to which one it is. Yeah. Well, I mean, when you got when you got animation that you've already done, I mean, I, I don't blame them. I don't either. And it works in both movies. That's, I think, the most impressive thing is that you can watch both movies and go, oh, it's really smooth. It tells the story you're trying to tell. And it's strange to see the same actions, you know, reskinned basically, and mm-hmm. and do a good job. Yeah, they they did do a good job. Now um, I'll, I'll definitely be thinking about that when we watch Robin Hood for sure. Um, so, but actually, so 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 now that we're here, we have all these delightful cartoon animals, and they're they're all doing their the soccer game, and that part's amazing. But keep in mind, these are the same animals that in we- the past, their ancestors. Mm-hmm. Killed a wizard. <laughs> uh, can we also question the fact the king that's played by a lion also has a... Oh, yeah. He sounds like a pirate the whole time. He says, arr, and stuff. Yeah, Well, matey. Yeah, like... He's a pirate lion king. I mean, yeah. he lives on an island. I said they have a lagoon, so maybe yeah. he is a pirate king. Like There has, was a shipwrecked in the lagoon. And yeah. he has a sailor bear that is apparently one of his subjects. Mm. I'm, I'm not so sure that this isn't the leftovers of a pirate crew, which might explain away even more why we killed a wizard. Mm. pirates and murder, they do a little bit go together. Yeah. Oh, maybe it's... <laughs> is it kind of like the Australia thing that the idea... <laughs> that basically... <laughs> sorry. Sorry. That's a bad joke. That's oh, no, a bad you killed joke. my... I killed Gwen. I'm you sorry. killed Gwen. Oh, Just no. like, that wizard got killed by those animals. So the soccer game is really good, by the way. <laughs> this is my this is my other favorite part of the movie. Yeah, I think also this was. Great for animators because they're like, oh, thank goodness, we just got to focus on animation for the most. Every part. so often, we have to get them to stomp on David Tomlinson, and we get the <laughs> the gag that the, they do it three times, which is good. With the vultures that are the, the medical team on the side getting super excited, running out with a stretcher, but every time he gets up, they get looked dejected and walk away. <laughs> that was a good joke. I was it was. Like... <laughs> um, the. It, there are some fun mechanics with each of the animal characters themselves. You made a what was it the. Smash Brothers, you were thinking, like... Oh, yeah, just, moves? like, movesets. Yeah, looking at, like, the way that they play, you start to think you've seen this before in, like, some of these, like, soccer video games and stuff like that, or, or anything like that. You just see... It's good creative use of the different assets that animals bring to the table, like an ostrich that can bury its head in the sand, or, you know, an alligator that has not just, like, uh, a set of sharp teeth that can reach out with, but it's got a tail that, you know, is pretty dexterous. Uh, dex, dexterous. Dex, dexterous. 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 I can't even say that. Ah. <laughs> I, liked the, uh, I liked the cheetah who yeah. had to oh, run, but he, oh, as he yeah. ran, he would run. His he had to up. hold his shorts up or they'd yeah. fall off. Little touches like that really make it that much more fun to watch. I yeah. Think. And even just like the, the gorilla goalie who like actually hangs off the goalposts to whack things around. Mm-hmm. That was cool. Yeah. I like the or, way he was he, animated. Or the Very elephant much. that uses his trunk to... Like a like, suction <laughs> thing. And then, yeah. Uh, yeah. It, I like how they used a bunch of different animals for different things. Although it's... We both agreed even though the... Um, Hippopotamus was uh, the useless <laughs> character in this uh, uh, game. He'd take them all down instantaneously in the real life. Let's be honest. If, oh, if, yes. if there was a team that if the water if the water buffalo had been there, they would have wrecked everybody. Mm. <sighs> they had a 
warthog. Fair. You think the warthog would have done a little more damage too? But I feel like the warthog's shiny moment was as a wheelbarrow for the king. <laughs> <laughs> his tusks in the ball. That yes. was a good bit. That was a good bit. Someone, uh, I looked it up, and someone actually pointed out all the different laws that were broken during this game of soccer. Oh I'm just, no! I'm, Why did they even need a referee? I believe yeah. it's part of the entertainment. I think how beat up the referee gets tells you how good a game it was. Because oh. the whole time he say, the king is saying, you're doing fine. <laughs> he's not calling anything, so that's why he's doing a fine job. So the, the reason why they're doing this is that the king lion dude, I can't think of his name. I don't know why. He's just the king lion. He didn't really Does have, he a, have name. a name. Captain he's the king. king lion. I will look it up. You continue. All right. Uh, but he's wearing that necklace that actually has the uh, words of the spell written on it. Oh, is this the well, the you, star you, you, of Asura? Right. But you he and at the end of the game. Um, uh, the professor does a... Uh, well, he's like, have you ever... He called it a gypsy switch. And I'm like, that's awful! How dare you! Uh, that is King Leonidas. King Leonidas. Oh. <laughs> Thank you, Internet. Thank you, Gwen. You're King Leonidas. Okay. That's bad. Oh, wow. man. At least it's not King Leo or anything. At least, it, like, at it's least about it's... as close as you can get. But yeah. I mean, it, Leonidas means like power of the lion or something like that. I'm yeah. trying to remember. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. Um, he, he ends up getting the amulet back though, because by, when they get back to the real world, uh, and uh, uh, I can never remember his first name, Professor Brown checks his pocket, and it's gone. Amelius. And there's just Amelius Brown checks his pocket. It's gone. A lot of good that'll do with this fluffy bunny hopping around with a giant crown. In his I, and I love the fact that that's all- right. He did turn into a bunny. I love fact that Miss Price is like, I can't remember the words, and then Paul's like, I remember them. And they're like, shut up, Paul, you you don't know anything. It's like, <laughs> let the kid speak at least. Give him a chance. It's just in his his book. It is right there in his book? book. In his child's book. The whole time. Like, the, again, so much time could have been skipped. Although We're at the age of not believing little kids. <laughs> It's a dangerous book to have just like left out for kids to be reading. Like, <laughs> these words can just bring stuff to life. I don't oh think anyone. Gosh, I can imagine bedtime story time. Like, yeah, like you're you're literally in bed reading to your child, and then all of a sudden, like, the closet door opens and everything marches <laughs> out and attacks your butt. Teddies come to life. Ah, <laughs> uh, uh, but you're not. But but when, when other people did the spells, it well, then again, it's proven that the spells can't work. You just have to believe in them hard enough. You can't well, tell me little kids seems, don't believe. That that's happens. true. Well, it, it seems like because the way well, maybe that it has happened. Well, it, we just don't know about it. It, it seems like uh, the way. <laughs> I mean, at least the way the movie is presented, Miss Pricer, uh, she's the only one who seems to be able to do this well. I it's mean, true. I mean, Amelia Brown eventually does. It is able. A lot of work. It took a lot of work for him where it comes naturally to her. Mm-hmm. For, or for the most part. But, like, I mean, she still has struggles, but it's still, like... Um, there is that point where... But, uh, yeah, she makes uh, shoes come to life. And then... they it, Because they turn it into a song. And, honestly, I think it's the best song in the whole movie. Uh, 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 she air a locomotion. Lovely substitute. She air a locomotion. That's definitely most memorable. I like it. Um, I, um, we already talked a little bit about this scene <laughs> and all the stuff. And this is and what all the happens. Chaos. All the chaos. This is some good. Like it's you could tell the practical effects yeah. of making it, but it's still it's I, still fun to watch. So, so 
Go my ahead. favorite like thing that I had never noticed as a kid, but just made me burst out laughing this time. You're watching all the suits of armor like walk past. Obviously, there's people in some of them, but there's one that's just supposed to be the legs of the armor, like carrying off a soldier. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and it is so obvious as an adult that it is clearly like, you know, the guy that's being carried, his actual legs are down in the armor, and he's got like <laughs> fake legs flailing up in front of him, and it's just so funny but so good i hadn't thought about that but yeah when you pointed it out i went you're absolutely right <laughs> it's that halloween costume people yeah. do yeah it's so good um a lot some of them uh there were uh, like they the walking legs were like electronic legs they actually did electronic stuff for this and i was like oh wow in the 1970s yeah. seriously that's, that's insane new technology and it yeah. does yeah. hold up pretty well mm-hmm. I'm saying like it starts pretty small because it's just the stuff around her house, but then later yeah. we get the climax where they animate everything in the war mm-hmm. museum. Yes, and um, it like, did remind me of like the haunted mansion kind of like animatronics and stuff. You get yeah. some of these kind of technologies used in a feature film, and it's really cool to be like they've got stuff that moves on its own, and you're like, how is it doing that? <laughs> how creepy would it be if we were if they decided to if you go in the haunted mansion, you know, there's that one pseudo armor in the hall that's moving, but coming uh, out of it, Draguna, Coides. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know that, well, probably actually at this time, most likely at this time, because remember, um... Well, it's 71. It's 71. Haunted Mansion is out. Uh, that suit of armor was usually worn by someone who would, like, stand there and then just jump and spook people. Oh, yeah. And, yeah, they actually had someone in, like, a cast member in there. I thought they didn't do that till the 90s. Though. Did they? Was it? I don't know. It might have been in the 70s. I don't know. I don't know. They well, had a live actor at one point. They did. I always trust you guys on that. Okay. They had a live actor <laughs> in the haunted mansion for, dressed as the as a suit of armor but, who would okay. suddenly lunge at cars. But uh, the the thing is though, too many people uh, kind of smacked the uh, ear. Uh, like they like they would get punched and all. They're like, we can't do this anymore, guys. This is. Mm. But they're wearing suit of armor. No one can hurt them. Yeah. It, okay, you can do it then. I have important things to go do. <laughs> but. It's, now, could you? But actually, could you imagine if a cast member was would, would instead of just jumping out, would go, Draguna, what the? <laughs> that would have been amazing. I love that. I used to chant that as a kid, though. Oh, me too. Yeah, I did too, and I got in trouble. Uh... My parents would like. I, I swear, like six year old me, deadpanning this chant, trying to like make things move, and my parents would just walk by and be like, "Stop that! That's rude." <laughs> Stop. Stop it. How is it rude to want to... Like, I'm fighting off the Nazis. <laughs> yeah, the Nazis I'm are... taking down the Nazis. <laughs> Don't that... be rude to the mischief Nazis. I yeah. am actually, like, super amazed that my parents let me watch this movie as a child because my dad grew up in a Jewish household and he was always really careful about Nazi movies. I didn't see Sound of Music oh, until I was, really? like, really oh. older. It's... And I'm amazed that this one somehow snuck through because I watched it all the time. It's because these I... Nazis are so polite. Yeah, well, here's the thing, These are some polite Nazis. They don't exactly say... Like, the word Nazi does not come up quite a bit. It's clearly Nazis. Mm. Uh, well, they say well, it in the very beginning of the movie. They do, but... Well, the, the one character who's not shy about saying it is Charlie's like, we don't have to do this to fight the Nazis. <laughs> he says it, Nazis. <laughs> but you could barely understand that kid anyway, so it's like... Mm. But it does, uh, it does happen, like... It's true, like, the opening credits have the Nazi flag. I know all of us reacted to the yeah, Nazi flag. <laughs> Accurate <laughs> representation. <laughs> that was a perfect recreation. It, 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 you know, because until that point, it just been always like kind of like old medieval like oh, yeah. tapestry work, mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden, there's the medieval tapestry or medieval uh, parchment work drawing of a 
German U-boat with a <laughs> with a Nazi with a swastika on a flag, and I was like, "What? Yeah. <laughs> what yeah. is this doing amongst all these like fish creatures and stuff?" Yeah. Oh, this is lovely. This is beautiful. What? Yeah. <laughs> and it's it, they spoil the ending of the movie because yeah, you that, see that battle. Yeah, we do. Yeah, it's like I'm like, oh no, AJ. I didn't put it together. I was just okay. like, okay, I don't know what this is. <laughs> and then I was thinking at the end, I'm like, it's funny how like the whole movie plays out right in front of you in the credits, mm-hmm. and all those scenes basically happen, but you don't realize that they're going to happen like that, and they play out like this. And, yeah. Yeah. You know. Yeah, but they, they, they get really on the nose. It's the bold end. of them. Yeah. yeah. Now, let's let's talk about... Let's I know, you've been waiting Nazis. to talk about your mischief Nazis. <laughs> <laughs> your mischief Nazis. So, so, tell us about the mischief Nazis. So, for people who haven't seen the movie, uh, the, the Nazis <laughs> show up to Miss Price's house. They invade, as we've already talked about. We've talked about, like, maybe it's a strategic point, maybe it isn't. They sit down in her living room, and they explain to her that they're not really there as the full invasion. They're there simply to, like, be an advance force and cause a little mischief. <laughs> literally, literally, it comes out of this guy's mouth. Because that's what the Nazis did. They Do caused they... a little mischief. My God. Do we think they succeeded? Do you think that was a mandate from Berlin? Like, <laughs> God caused a little mischief. Yes, mein Führer. <laughs> Spill the tea on the carpet. Why don't you? <laughs> Hitler, Hitler literally just wanted them to go. And like knock some vase and vases over, oh prank call some people, trample on the grass while you have it. Well, you actually do see a Nazi like clipping one of the <laughs> Yeah, I assume there's something more nefarious, but I'm thinking about it now. I'm like, I mean, he was just causing mischief. Yeah. Maybe. As far as I know, they did kill one old man. Yeah, we see them pull him off screen, and then we never see yes. that man again. That's mischief. <laughs> And maybe, yeah, the mischief was right. like, ha we got you. Oh, he died, he, was, he got so scared. He was going to die of old age, and we killed him from something else first. This is convenient. This is bad timing. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> oh, my, my gut. He's going to get, like, court-martialed when he gets back. Like, I told you not to kill anyone! <laughs> How dare you? I told you you only make mischief. Only mischief. Now get in that plane and start drop, dropping bombs on London. <laughs> Do it! Amazing. Oh my god. <laughs> and by bombs, I'm, and, I'm and by bombs, I mean bombs that won't actually blow up. The mischief Nazis <laughs> dropped that bomb. It was a dud. You're right. supposed to scare people. Empty <laughs> bombs drops him on someone's house. It causes significant. Oh when the Nazis came through with their bombs, they, they <laughs> broke some roofs and scared a few cats. <laughs> like, now my roof is leaking. Thanks a lot, mischief <laughs> Nazis. What I did, they set up a bomb by her house and blew all of her spell work. You're right. Yeah, they, they did, did do that. that. Yeah, that was no the one most got destructive hurt. thing they did. No. Well, yeah. yeah no one well, in that no, part no, got no, hurt. hurt. She almost got hurt. They blew her out of the sky, so she yeah. turned into a dummy for like two scenes. <laughs> <laughs> My two oh, there scenes. is a part. So good. There is a part where he leaves, and there's no reason for him to leave. Oh, he just chooses wait, to leave. Uh, the professor. Yeah. Professor so Brown. like, so they're separated, and that's when the Nazis come. And uh, uh, but like, there's a point where um, uh, so he goes back after her, and like they hear the cat, and they're like freaking out and all that. But then when she's in, she and the kids are trapped in the uh, museum, and they're summoning, and they're summoning all the uh, um, uh, suits of armor to come to life. It's like, there's trumpets playing and drums playing. 
what's that? Nothing. No, no real reaction whatsoever. And it's like These cat and cat meowing. Oh my gosh, something must be going on. We must take it down. You, you reminded me about the train. Oh, the weird, the music. weirdest part of the train station scene is when he's kind of berating himself for having laughed. Oh, he is. Oh, yeah. And then she sees, she sees Ange- Angela Lansbury dressed in like a t- <laughs> magician's assistant outfit. It's gold. Sans it's got pants. like canary feathers everywhere. Oh my gosh! And it's she's ridiculous. walking along the uh, train tracks, and it's just like it was a- the weirdest thing. Was she singing? She was yes. singing too. I thought she was singing. I don't know what she was singing, but and, it was. And she, it's just we were like, laughing too hard. It's just like this small vision he has, and I'm like, well, that was pointless. <laughs> It's, he saw it, and then when he saw it, he realized Nazis were cutting the, t- the telephone lines. Yeah. If it weren't for that weird vision, he would have Nazis. Mischief Nazis. Uh, I hate these guys. He, I will say, this is a great movie if you like to watch people punch Nazis. Oh, uh, yeah. He punches out two of them in one punch. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's very impressive. He Yeah, he, he manages. And then, like, the very first thing that happens when, when one of them gets wise and opens the museum doors, they get punched in the face by one of the suits of armor. Yes. Mm. That's so satisfying. I know. Yeah. And I, I think a lot of them can be classified as sucker punches. I don't mm. think they see a lot of them coming. And There's one right where they just, like, kick the guy on the butt over and over as they, like, yes. carry him away. Yeah, yes. that one's good. Yeah. The whole war scene, the whole, like, routing scene is very great. Especially right. with, and I love seeing Angela Lans- Lansbury on the broomstick with the, the pot helmet and, like, the the, the British, then, the Union Jack on her broom. And then we get some random, like, suits of armor playing bagpipes on a distance. <laughs> and all of the other suits of armor are like, why did we invite these guys? <laughs> I like this. I like that there's different eras, too. You've got, like, red coats with the powdered wings. Yes. You've got, like, the Lancers, and there's one with, like, a, a proper, like, a musketeer-ish Yes, hat. yeah. We've definitely brought the French to battle. Yeah, curly red hair, I actually, curly red wig. I, I was telling you guys this during the movie, it's uh that when I saw that, I'm like, oh, they brought in a female fighter. How wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> um, this was, uh, I feel like uh, this is, I've done a uh, role-playing game where I had animated objects come to life, and I think that, specifically suits of armor uh, in a historic room, it. and this scene was hugely instrumental, especially, particularly Probably. the part where the, where the knights are riding the horse barding with oh, no yeah. horses underneath it. Yes. Like, I thought that was really cool. I, I think the special effects here are amazing. It's insane. Just like, wow, yeah, wow. Like, the, I could see why it won an Academy Award mm. for this. There's Again, that. you can kind of get how they do it, but it's done really well. Yeah, I mean, we called it out while we were watching it. You don't even see the wires on most of it. Yeah. So, and even when you do, the things they're able to do with those wires... Feels, you know, still pretty surreal. Yeah, because there's points where you're like, yeah, it's clearly by a wire, but I do not see those wires. So. Uh, and the way that a live action actor can be like swiping swords around them and stuff, it's like, that's that's impressive. The coordination there is just spot on. I can understand why, like, because uh, again, for something like this, it does require a lot of planning, but I can understand, and I can understand why Angela Anthony would be like, I didn't have enough room to like, Fully acts, yeah. but it's like, but the the visual, it's like for these type of visual effects, yeah, you do need a lot of planning for this. You mm-hmm. do need to make sure these go well, or someone can get hurt, or yeah, so. it and does have a lot in common with like stunts or dance choreography. Like, mm-hmm. unfortunately, visual effects acting does require you to be doing more than just you know your character performance. Exactly, and I think you can probably look at all the visual effects people who are behind the scenes and go. 
they got to play. Oh, yeah. yeah. They got to show off. So, oh, yeah. Like, there are some movies that are definitely about the acting, and then there's some movies that are not. And I think it's really cool that Disney put out this one and it's like, we're going to let our special effects guys, like, run wild and just have a ball. Yeah. If Mary Poppins gave the opportunity to do more character acting in some ways, as well as the visual effects, this one offered, I think, more of the free reign to the visual effects people. Yeah. That's for sure. Uh, that's usually for a lot of uh, some of the animated films, um, like Fantasia, for example. David and I totally agree with Fantasia. They just said, "Here, here's the music. Do what you want. Go crazy. Yeah. And they just, that really is about the animators just going nuts and having fun and just creating something amazing. And I think this is that's what that is for visual effects here. There's another film, too, where they... Not animation, but like, uh, um, I think for the, you know what I think for uh, for Mary Poppins because you I think it it definitely because you see the actors having fun like yes. you can see Dick Van Dyke just enjoying himself just having a blast just oh, yeah. dancing mm-hmm. and everybody is and I think for uh Mary Poppins it's the ba- that's like that's the role for like the dancers the background actors and all that all the people that get to move and like uh walk around like cuz they get to have fun with it where yeah and this yeah it's not it's not one for showcasing acting it's definitely one for showcasing effects yeah mm-hmm. definitely now that said they blew up a house yeah, but that was they- the worst and then but then they got routed and then that's when the army shows up and they're like oh we'll chase them off and they do and meanwhile, all the, the suits deflate all over the ground <laughs> like sad snowmen. Yeah. <laughs> Your comment about that on was a hot so summer day. That's not <laughs> on. I'm like, well, oh, we can all experience this if just on a cold winter day we build like 200 snowmen, dress them all <laughs> nice and scary, and then wait for the sun to make them go away. Yes, in Southern California, we're going to get enough snow to All make right. 200 well, maybe the people on the podcast live someplace a little colder and they can actually pull that off. Yeah. Snowman army, go! <laughs> um, but yeah, the movie ends pretty neat and tidily, I guess. I will... The one thing they don't really explain is, I guess they rebuilt um, her, the house. House, her house. They must have. And it I seems guess, okay when they left at the end. And mm-hmm. apparently they now... Uh, she's dating... Uh, Professor Emilius or they're together or something and he decides to join the army. Well, he doesn't really join the army so much as he joins the the old-timers militia. <laughs> he marches off with them. Yeah, yes, that's does. like the safe group to hang out with. The only, yes. like, mischief Nazis attack those guys. <laughs> yeah. But, I, oh, I'm well-versed in fighting mischief Nazis. <laughs> yeah, he's the commander now. I, I will cause ten times more mischief to our enemy. <laughs> I will turn all of them into rabbits. There you go. <laughs> but now she's never going to perform magic again because all her stuff is uh, broken and gone. Mm-hmm. The only thing they do have, though, and this is hinted at, is they still have the bed knob. So they but, can still try to play. But what if the bed is blown up? We never see that bed again. Oh, oh. my gosh. You have to go find another bed to, to put this I was bed say, knob on? Can you put on? that bed knob on any other bed? And Technically, yeah, because they said it's just something you can twist. That's all she mm. said they yeah, needed. Yeah, so as long as it fits the bed, you can get it to twist. All right. What's the, what do you think the greater message of this movie is supposed to be? Because by the end of it, I'm left a little bit like, oh, she was striving so hard to be a witch and do this thing. And then she's like, well, I guess I was never really a proper witch because I, of the dragon livers or whatever. And she just kind of, but I'm not sure what the, where the sort of like 
where what they sort of settle on, what they've how they've grown and changed as people by the end. I know certainly the biggest change came to the to Amelius, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. because decided- he's now a he's now sticking to his guns and he's. But I care more at this point. I, I care more about uh, Miss Price. You know, she's the sure. I, and I, the kids. I think. Because it doesn't, yeah, her character doesn't really change or anything. I think she it's, gets better at magic, but then her magic is all gone. But I think it was more she did this for the purpose of helping with the war, and she did what she wanted to do. Okay, I think what would have been cool because uh, uh, this could have maybe been explored better. Because, like she said, she didn't really get to explore her character enough. Because uh, she, I mean, she had a father in the war, and then she's trying to do something to help the war efforts. Maybe it could be something like she wanted to make her father proud. There could have been, like, a whole thing about the relationship there. I mean, that could have been added, but I don't think... Again, this is not a character-driven movie. This is an effects-driven movie. <laughs> this is they a- wanted... They, there's a, an attempt at making it character-driven, like Mary Poppins. Again, there's so many places where it feels like it's trying to be Mary Poppins. Well, Mary Poppins also wasn't the... Per- even though she's the title character, she didn't change at all. And that No, was, that's true, but... And it's not her story. It was Mr. Banks' story, as we agree. Right, but... So this is not really Miss Price's story. No. It's Amelia's Brown's story. Hey, hey, Mr. Banks. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> this guy just comes and steals everyone's movies. <laughs> David Tomlinson just comes in and, and steals everyone's. You know, I, he was in the Herbie movies too, he, wasn't he? He, was in the he steals movie. the Herbie movies. He was in the he was in the Love Bug. He was, he was only, in the Love Bug. He was only in the Love Bug. Okay, um, that's right. And he was the villain in that one. Ah, he did a great job. I really liked him as okay. the villain. Uh, I, I gotta admit, there's. I, I genuinely do like uh, the Love Bug, and I know why we can't review it. Because there's no animation. In no, it. Mm-hmm. there's no animation. It's like I wanted if I was going to choose any one non-animated movie to cover here that from the like, I'd want to talk about the original Treasure Island because that was the first uh, feature-length live-action mm-hmm. movie that Disney ever did. Nice. So, but yeah, the purpose we're doing this is actually not a Disney podcast. This is an animation podcast. Uh, we actually are planning to do like. Uh, uh, Miyazaki after this, and then we're going to do... We will do Pixar, we will do... Um, Don Bluth? Yeah, we're going to do Don Bluth. It's so. a heck of a lineup you guys got. Yeah, we got some... We've idea. got... We have material for literal decades. Because <laughs> we do these once a month. So. I, I told him... One of the things I, uh, I just realized, like, David, we could also do... Um, oh, whatchamabucket. Uh, what, what was it called? Uh, Rankin Bass. Rankin Bass. We could actually do Rankin Bass. I can finally talk about The Hobbit. Ooh, <laughs> that that is a long, long podcast in the making. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, you know, the, this we are. This is just the Dis- for everybody listening. This is just the Disney saga. When we get to the end, obviously we're going to need to do other things, so we will go do other things. But every time a new Disney movie comes out, we will talk about it on this podcast. But we're we have to do it in chronological order. Yes. So that said, um, the movie just ends, and I am, and and with that, I think that's a good place to cap off. I think so. Our show. I'm pretty sure we've thoroughly run through this movie we were so thorough (laughs) we don't have to well we could just hit the beats and then we just the problem it really is a full movie there really is a lot of things going on at any given moment and you don't want to skip any of it right well i feel like one thing that we didn't quite finalize was that she changes in one big way and that's that she doesn't want the kids at first, and by the end, they are her new responsibility. That is true! Where I feel like trying to help with the war effort, she realizes she can help the evacuees or the children um, more than she can actually use, like, a spell to, to you know, change the tide of the Okay, the war. that actually... I, you that's know, that's a good point. I wonder if that's the big change for her, is she learns that she can help in other ways. I was mm. thinking a lot of the same thing, because to me, it felt very much like the magic was, like, an abstract, like, big thing 
And then the movie slowly moves her more into the personal realm and more into Mm -hmm. an actual relationship helping situation. That's fair. Actually, because we didn't really talk about the part where she's even given the opportunity to, like, let them go. Right. Mm-hmm. Another like a farmer says, "Oh, we can take them on," and, and she says, "No, I, I think I'm I'm good with them. I'd, I'd like mm-hmm. them to stay." Right, which is and a they want to stay, and they want to stay with, uh, and they want uh, Emilius to stay because they're like, "Well, he's we see him as kind of a father figure now after you know flying around with him on a psychedelic bed." Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> no other reason, just that. <laughs> say, well, you bring it. I would love to do someone just the non sequitur, like the non sequitur that. The, out of context, it just sounds terrible. Oh, oh why, why do you see him? So, oh, we flew around with him on a psychedelic bed. <laughs> <laughs> All right, now Child Protective Services can come in. <laughs> it is the 70s, so. Oh, my goodness. Uh, well, the 70s and the 40s. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, one thing I get, because we're going to get into um, Pete's Dragon, and I'm going to have a field day with Ooh. this. Uh, oh. But at least with this one, this does feel like the 1940s. Like, I totally believe this all takes place in the 1940s. Oh, sure. Uh, yeah. Pete's Dragon's not like that at all. It takes place in, like, the turn of the century, but everybody look, clearly looks like they're from the 70s. It's amazing. I can't... We don't have much longer till Pete's Dragon, No, do we? we don't. Oh, boy. Uh, we gotta get a special guest for that one, too. Yeah. We do. I'll tell you. Oh, well, yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, thank you guys for having us on today. Yeah, yeah. thank you for be- Thank you for joining us. Of course. We really appreciate you it's being here. Great movie. We had a lot of fun. Yeah. yeah. I'm, glad you, I'm glad that, even if it wasn't necessarily, like, the ideal movie... Even it, here's the thing: a movie like this, you could still derive enjoyment from. Oh, Absolutely, maybe if not always in the ways intended. <laughs> Every movie has the potential for that. That is true. That's why people mm. love watching bad movies, like conceivably yeah. bad oh, movies. Definitely, you know? I have a whole binder just of bad movies, and I watch some of those more than the good ones. Yeah, yeah. actually, I can say that for the same yep. thing too. Yeah, actually, everybody so, has one. Yeah. So, um, why do uh, I like to wrap things up by having obviously. Um, most people who listen to this probably already know about the work you do, but, um, I would like each of you to, I would like (laughs) each of you to, if you can give a, give a little plug to maybe some of the uninitiated for, you know, your, your, your shared work and maybe your own work. Sure. Gwen, do you want to explain what Random Encounters does? Uh, Random Encounters is a YouTube channel, which turns, uh, video games into musical numbers. Um, and we try to get as close to the spirit of the game as possible, but we also try to have a lot of fun with it. So most recently we did uh, a Deltarune musical for anyone who likes the indie games. It's the sequel to Undertale. Yeah, but we've been trying to have David and Kayla uh, appear in a couple projects in the past, hopefully some in the future as well. Because what we're always looking for is people to come have fun, and these two have fun like you would not believe. (laughs) And they seem to like musical numbers, which is perfect for us, too. (laughs) We do love our our musical numbers. Um, It's interesting, it dawned on me as we were getting ready to record this just how many I've been in. I've known Mm -hmm. AJ since, uh, was it 2011 or 2012? 2012. 2012. I've known AJ since 2012, and... uh, the amount of and when I look at a list of all the musicals I've been in properly, it's kind of staggering. Like all <laughs> oh, I've been involved is. in from from be doing the voice of a T block in Tetris the musical <laughs> yes. to um, oh god, gosh, what was what was the very last one was uh, properly was um, oh Detective Pikachu. Yes, it was Detective Pikachu. Professor as Oak Professor Oak, Oak. yeah. Oh, you were yeah. such a good Professor Oak. You Thank did you. Such a good job. I think I made a halfway decent Zoo Batman too. You did. <laughs> you did. I'm no Scott Leverett. 
Oh, <laughs> but Scott, I, Scott, I did my best to Scott to channel Lillery. the spirit of Scott. I was taking on an important mantle. Scott, if you're listening, you're you're you are a champion. You're a national treasure, and you're well missed. Come back sometime. Yes, <laughs> that would be awesome. Um, but yeah, so that's so that's random encounter. Where can people find? Uh, it's on YouTube. <laughs> yeah, youtube.com slash random encounters ent. That stands for entertainment. People never understand why. <laughs> and I just realized David's got the uh, Foxy uh, t shirt from FNAF the Musical because he voiced Foxy and Phone Guy in uh, FNAF the Musical, which stars Markiplier and Nate Wants to Battle and, and Matt Pat. You know? And you. And me. I'm in it too. <laughs> yeah. um, I'll, I'll shout out oh, also to uh, Sarah. Xander Mobus and Sarah, <laughs> Sarah Williams. <laughs> Those guys. Oh, I haven't uh, seen them forever. All three of us, uh, Gwen, myself, uh, Kayla, all did puppeteer work at various points during that musical. Yeah, mm-hmm. Absolutely. I can still remember the, 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 the awkward moments where we would be lying on the floor <laughs> and our heads would be like nearly touching. I'd look over at you. Like, so like, this is our life now. I'm like pressing Hi. my arm up against a window and smacking the Oh, <laughs> uh, you guys got arm workouts on that. <laughs> oh, so so many like minutes and you know up there for ten minutes at a time with your your hand up waiting for somebody you know live action actor to get their line right yeah oh, that was fun it's rough but yeah do a good job thank, will... thank goodness they didn't have like um, mouths to move yeah, yeah. I to move them animatedly yeah. I I will say also too that um, I like to brag to people like. So I see so many people going like, you know, oh man, when when Matt Pat gave that death scream at the end, and I'm always like, you know, I was the James Earl Jones to Matt Pat David Prowse. It's true. I'm the real Darth Vader in this yeah. situation. Yeah, the horrifying screams, all of them, even the subtle like cackles and things like that. That was me. That yeah, was me. If, if he doesn't have the hat on. You know, that's Matt. But everything with the hood on, that's David. <laughs> oh, trust me. Every time, like, because whenever I hear David's podcast where he's all doing his creepy podcast of Midnight Marinara, I'll listen to it and I'm like, oh, I hate you so much. You're so creepy. But, and yet I still love you. That's why he's so good for that role. Yeah. Hey, Gwen, you do stuff on your own. I do. Um, I went to school for creative writing a long, long time ago. And uh, I have a blog which may or may not be active. It was active at one point and it's definitely something I'd love to do again. But if you'd like to check that out, um, that's Apprentice Never Master at WordPress. Yes, WordPress. WordPress. It's been a long time since I've been on it. Um, but it is something I really enjoy doing, and it's a lot of, like, fiction snippets, because fiction is my love. Um, at some point, there might be books in my future. Wouldn't that be grand? That would be grand. <laughs> I look forward to reading those if, whenever they do get published. When? Yeah. When? They when. Do. That's the important um, thing. Uh, I intend to, uh, you know... I intend to we I, I intend to go to your book premieres if you'll come to mine. Oh, absolutely! I love that making that trade. Deal. Yes. <laughs> um, in the meantime, I think I'm most active actually at Apprentice Never Master on Instagram, where I show off some costume work and show off just day to day life and also books and things like that. So if you're interested in any of those things, you can show up and follow me there. Fantastic. Thank you guys so much. You're Wonderful. awesome. Thank you guys. Yes. We had a lot of fun. This is uh, amazing. And join us again for uh, our next one where we will do watch Robin Hood. Robin Woo! Hood. Ooh, that's gonna be good. Alright. Well, to cap this up, I think we should I think honestly we should go uh, we should go get something to drink. I am powerful thirsty right now. <laughs> uh, luckily I have this bed now. <laughs> so uh, Wait, give me a location. Uh, 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 to Disneyland! Alright, hold on. <laughs> Take us to Disneyland. Let's see, I turn it this way. Psychedelic Mansion gets.
Hello out there in Benview podcast land. My name is Josh and this is Jesse. Hello. And we happen to do a podcast about video games called the Extra Damage Cast. Indeed we do. If you like to talk about video games or more accurately listen to other people talk about video games, you should check out our podcast. It's at extradamage.com or on the Benview Network website, whatever that is. This podcast is a part of the Benview Network. You can find this and other podcasts like it at BenviewNetwork.com.